Well, today uh, we are uh, doing uh, another one of our standalone sermons, I call them, just because uh, it's not part of a series. And I, I had the privilege of hearing uh, a speaker recently speaking to a, a pastor's luncheon, and he talked about Psalm 23 in such a way, and I thought, you know, that, that thought that he shared there as part of his introduction, I thought, that I, I'm going to preach on that someday because I think it's so powerful about the, the good shepherd that we have in Jesus. Uh, whether or not you belong to Jesus determines how you feel about his power. It makes all the difference whether you are with Jesus or not, his power is the same, but it either brings you great comfort and confidence or it does not. Robert Alden says in his commentary that the 23rd Psalm is basically a testimony of great faith. The Nelson's Illustrated Bible Commentary says that the 23rd Psalm is a psalm of trust. David's a great writer. We know that about him. Uh, this is the young shepherd boy, the youngest of all of his brothers, the smallest one. His father didn't even, Jesse didn't even think that it would be possible that he would be the one that would be chosen uh, to go and to slay the, the great giant uh, Goliath, and, and yet he was God's chosen person. We know that he is an artistic person. He is a, a writer of poetry, of psalms. He, he can play the harp in such a way that it, it would bring great peace to to King Saul as he played that beautiful instrument and made, and made soothing music with it. And yet David was also a willing warrior. I say willing because he wasn't just a, a, a great warrior of a person. He was a willing warrior. He wanted to go. He wanted to fight the giant Philistine, Goliath. Everyone else stood back and argued about who should have to go and who should go up against him. And nobody really wanted to challenge it. David's like, send me, I'll take him on. And with that great courage and that great confidence, you know, with five smooth stones and his confidence in God, God who is bigger than any battle that we go up to face, you and God are always a majority. And that was certainly the case. And the giant Philistine was slain and David cut off his head and held it up in victory. And then we think of this young shepherd boy who eventually became the king, who's writing this 23rd Psalm for us. And today I would encourage you to see it afresh and anew. It's one of the, the, the best known passages of scripture in all of the Bible. We automatically associate it with funerals because it does bring comfort to people in their greatest time of sorrow. It is probably printed on the back of the little funeral card at the funeral home when you go in that you pick up with the person's uh, information on it. It's usually on the back or on the inside. It's probably quoted in more sermons than not by preachers and funerals. Uh, it has been put on dishes. It has been put on throws, blankets that people have. It is uh, on artwork in churches and in homes. You may have a, a grandmother. You may have in your own home the 23rd Psalm displayed. And oftentimes it is uh, Jesus, a picture of Jesus with his shepherd's hook and surrounded by sheep, maybe a small lamb in his arm. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that image. But today, I want you to think more of your shepherd as a warrior who's in your corner, who has your back. 
I want you to think of someone who will protect you and, and go up against you on your side. If you belong to him, if you call Jesus Lord and Savior, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you belong to him, you have nothing to fear. There is no wolf in sheep's clothing that you have to dread when Jesus is your shepherd. And so today, if you belong to Jesus, I want you to think of all of that protection, all of that power that the good shepherd has as something that should bring you comfort and confidence, an incredible amount of faith and trust. And if I may, and if the Holy Spirit should, should move in your heart today, if you don't belong to the shepherd, if you don't know whether or not you belong to the shepherd, my prayer is that you would have some healthy discomfort today. Because once again, whether or not you belong to Jesus determines how you feel about his awesome power. And he does have awesome power. Every day, every, someday, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of us that belong to Jesus, when, we, when the eastern sky is rolled up like a scroll and we see Jesus coming back on his white horse... And, and he's coming back in a very uh, victorious way, and he's coming to gather the saved and to quicken the dead. It's going to be a great day, and we're going to fall to our knees saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and we're going to cry out that Jesus Christ is Lord, and it's going to be a great thing. But there will be those, perhaps in desperation or regret, shock and dismay that will cry out the same thing but it will not be one of comfort because they did not know him as their shepherd is he your shepherd today three real easy uh lessons for us to take first of all you can trust him with your journey you can trust Jesus with your journey. When you are following Jesus, when you're the sheep and he is the shepherd, you can follow him in life's journey. And I chose that word journey intentionally because life is a journey, right? And there are highs and there are lows. There are times in which uh, we are celebrating accomplishment. There are times in which we are surrounded by family and friends and there's harmony and everybody's happy and healthy and it's great. Jesus is your shepherd in those moments. And there are times when we are, when we are concerned, when anxiety uh, comes for a visit and we don't know what the future holds. And there are things beyond our control, whether it is in parenting and you have a, a child that you're concerned about, perhaps an adult child, perhaps a child that lives far away, and, and that child is now independent, and there's only so much that you have control over, and you feel helpless. I want you to know that Jesus is your shepherd in those moments. You know, last week, we, we prayed for our farmers and those of you who are in the seed business or sell insurance or operate seed mills or have family or friends who do or maybe you have land that you rent and this is something that is out of our control the weather there's nothing we can do about it Tom uh, and I were talking before the service there a little bit and I think 1974 is the only time you can remember a year where th there was this much spring rain that kept the farmers from being able to get their crops in and, and I gotta tell you there's a lot of uncertainty but something that has really moved my heart this season is that I have seen far more faith than fear. A lot more faith than fear. And I applaud that. 
But that's because you know who's in charge of your journey and you trust him. You trust the shepherd. Psalm 23, 1 through 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David gives us the reason right there for his fearlessness. The Lord is my shepherd. Whatever battle you're facing, you have no need to fear because God is on your side. And if God is on your side, who can be against you? Uh, Kings in David's time were oftentimes viewed as shepherds themselves. There were analogies that were kind of made where their subjects were their sheep, their flocks that were under their care. And a lot of times people would even refer to their kings, their community leaders as their shepherds. That's our our community shepherd. That's our, our king, our shepherd. And here David was in that role himself. And when you are a leader, whether it's at work or it's in the home, as a as a parent, uh, perhaps, or it's a leadership role in the church. Well, leadership is a challenge. And when you think of yourself as a shepherd who is trying to shepherd sheep that have great value to Almighty God, and you take that responsibility seriously, you realize you're doing something above yourself. You have a high calling, and you don't take it lightly. And David probably, no doubt, felt this himself. He He remembered when he was a young shepherd boy, and he's thinking about what it was like to try to care for his father's sheep a lot of times his brothers were called out to to battle or other big things that he wanted to be a part of and it's like no 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 you somebody has to take care of the flock you stay back here and take care of the sheep i don't want to take care of sheep you know he probably thought as the youngest of all of these siblings but now he finds himself in a great position of power and authority have you ever had to put on your proverbial big boy pants (laughs) and you think this is tough This meeting's going to be hard. This decision's not going to be easy. And you find yourself in the role of the shepherd. But then you remember that you have a shepherd who outranks you, who you are accountable to, and who loves you, and who cares for you. And David had to have had some of that going on. He was the shepherd, and he was the sheep. He was in charge from an earthly standpoint, but he knew who was ultimately in charge. And any time he had opportunity to fear, there was no fear because he had faith in, Jesus, in, in God as his shepherd. And you and I can have that same kind of faith today if the Lord is our shepherd. When Jesus is your shepherd, you have both confidence, but you also are able to be kept humble. We need confidence today. We do. We need confidence in our marriages. We need confidence in our parenting. We need confidence in our school system. We need confidence uh, when we are leading in the church. We need confidence when we are leading in some sort of a community effort. We need confidence as American citizens when we're trying to help uh, our our nation operate as a godly nation. And, and, And it takes great confidence in doing that. And our confidence is in the Lord, but it also takes humility. Because if you have confidence without humility, that's, that's, you become like a dictator, a tyrant. But if you have no confidence, you're not able to lead. And David had both because the Lord was his shepherd. 
Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13 uh, are a great combination of verses in the Bible. You're familiar with Philippians 4, 13. But when you think of it in its context, I think that beautiful verse, Philippians 4.13, takes on even greater meaning. Listen to them together when verse 12 precedes verse 13. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says that famous verse, and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. David is saying, I know what it's like to have very little. I've gone without. Maybe in your childhood, you remember a, a lean time in which there, you didn't always know what you're going to have to eat. And maybe you grew up with some humble means and, and there wasn't the prosperity that you have today. And you can say, hey, listen, I know what it's like to have to count every penny. But I've also gone through times of great prosperity as well and to be just abundantly blessed when the crops are overflowing. And I know what that's like, too. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being content. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Fear causes fatigue, doesn't it? When you are leading out of fear, when you have anxiety, you don't realize it when you're going through the battle, but it weighs you down. And so often when you finally come through a storm and you've weathered it and you're on the other side of it and you can finally let your hair down, as they say, you can finally take a breath, you can sit down for a moment, a period of exhaustion takes over. Have you ever noticed that? And you didn't even know you were tired until you stopped. And maybe the first day or two after you have really worked hard at something, you still have some of that adrenaline going that kind of carries you through. Maybe there's victory after something, and that goes well, and, and, it, and there's excitement in that, but then all of a sudden you crash. Have you ever crashed after something big is finally behind you? Fear causes fatigue. And David talks about how... The good shepherd, the Lord, makes him to lie down in green pastures. Uh, sheep, apparently, uh, don't lie down easily unless they have confidence in their shepherd. Uh, they, in the wild anyway, they would be susceptible to a lot of predators. And they're always, they would always have to be alert. What was that? You know, did you hear that? What was that? You know, kind of thing. And, and so a, a sheep will not lay down unless they feel well protected. The fear of a wolf, fear of snake, fear of a hunter would always keep them on their edge. But David says, with the Lord as his shepherd, he makes him lie down in green pastures. I've heard that sometimes sheep will wear out a pasture without roaming to find fresh green grass unless a shepherd leads them to the green grass. They'll overgraze it, they'll go to the bathroom in it, it becomes stagnant and, and unhealthy until they are led to fresh green grass. Um, we had a rabbit, we used to have a rabbit, a pet rabbit. Um, they told us at the pet store that it was a dwarf female rabbit. And uh, we, named her, we named the rabbit Buttercup. And uh, Buttercup grew to be about this big. And um, 
fathered a beautiful litter of rabbits. Um, <laughs> Buttercup stayed in the cage in the backyard, and we kept him right on the grass. His cage was right on the grass, and all that grass would poke up through the bottom. And oh, I, if you could, you might ask me, how did you know the rabbit was happy? Uh, maybe I'm a rabbit whisperer. I don't know. The rabbit and I were kind of one, and I could just tell whenever I would pick Buttercup's cage up every day and move it over one cage length onto fresh grass, that rabbit was happy. You could just tell it, a little extra thump in his kick, and he would just eat that green grass and just be so happy, and every day I would move Buttercup's cage over one little bit. I was, to, to Buttercup, a good shepherd um, because he liked being where the green, green grass was. David says, not only does he make me lie down in green grass, but he also leads me beside what kind of waters? Still waters. You've got to think about this. There's no way that sheep could be good swimmers. <laughs> With their spindly legs and their heavy wool coats that they can't take off easily, they're probably not going to be good swimmers. But they are probably, because of their heavy wool coats, naturally thirsty, extra thirsty. And they're always looking for fresh water to drink, but not water that's moving along too quickly because they could very easily saturate some of, some of that water into their wool coats and be swept away uh, by that current. So they liked good fresh water, but still water. And David felt like he had both. But I want you to know that there's a greater meaning in these, these first three verses than mere physical food, water, and safety. David knows that the sinner needs to have no fear of sins being on him when he stands before God. And he calls it soul restoration. My soul is restored, he says. It is for Jesus' sake that we are taken care of like sheep. Remember, he is the bread of life. He is the living water. And when you think of these sheep needing fresh green grass and needing fresh still water, you think about our need for a Savior and the need that we have to have no fear of our sin. And today, if you don't already have it, you can leave here today having absolutely no fear of your sin. I'll guarantee you that you are a sinner because the Bible says all have sinned and you're part of the all. All have fallen short of God's perfect, glorious standard. None of us match up to God. And I think we'd all be humble enough to admit that. We wouldn't say, excuse me, I'm as good as God. Nobody would say that. I hope not. At least I don't want to be standing next to them when they say it. We know we don't measure up. And so it's good news to know that our soul is restored and refreshed and we can have no fear. And we have this perfect fellowship with God where we eat and we drink and we rest in his his presence. And our relationship with Jesus is very much like that of a sheep to their shepherd. Sheep recognize their own shepherd's voice. As some of you I know here in the room today have sheep, and you may, you may have experienced at least something similar to this. But I have read where a group of shepherds, if they have all of their sheep grazing together in a big open meadow, when it's time to go, they can call for their sheep, and their sheep recognize their voice and assemble, and their sheep follow them where they go. And if that's true, that's pretty amazing, I think. The fact that sheep can recognize a particular human's voice as their shepherd and follow that particular shepherd is amazing. And we are followers of Jesus and we need to recognize his voice through his Holy Spirit inspired word of God. And we need to be able to follow our good shepherd wherever he leads us. Reminds me, I've never played basketball uh, like on a team 
but I'm always impressed to be in a crowded gymnasium where the bleachers are all filled to capacity and there's high energy. And you'll see that, that uh, uh, very much passionate coach down there will yell out some sort of instruction to his or her players. And the, the player who he's talking to will hear his voice or her voice and will turn real quick to get that instruction and execute the, uh, the plan. And I'm like, how in, in that auditorium, that arena, do they hear that one voice? Because the players know the coach, and the coach knows the players. And I encourage you, in this day and age, get in the Word of God. Spend time alone in quietness. There's not much of that today. If you have a commute to and from work or school, turn off, turn off all the distractions and just listen to the still, small voice of God and let God's word from his Holy Spirit-inspired Bible impact you. Because if you don't know the shepherd's voice, there's a lot of noise out there today. And you could follow the wrong shepherd. The second thing is that you can, ha you can trust him to have your back. Isn't it great to have an advocate? Somebody that you know has your best interest at heart and who is watching out for you. You know, those first three verses, verse three that we read says he restores us for his name's sake. You bear the name of Christ. You belong to him. And your choices are a reflection on, on God. And he refreshes us for his name's sake. He's rooting for us. He wants us to do well. He has our back. Verses four and five say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, For he must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. 1 Corinthians 15, 25 through 27. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he, uh, that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. The last enemy to be feared is death. And Jesus has conquered death. And when you walk through that valley of the shadow of death, whatever that is, whether it is a, a literal valley of death that you feel like you're in, or whether it's just a dark, dark journey that you're on and things are heavy, you have no reason to fear any kind of evil because God is on your side you're, if you're on his side. John 10, 2 and 7 says, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He's not just the shepherd, he is the door. And if you get a chance, maybe later today, to read that first passage there of John chapter 10, there is a lot of powerful imagery of Jesus as the shepherd and us as his sheep and this kind of fellowship that goes on where we come and go and we lay down and we have grass and we, we we're able to feed and eat in his presence and there's just this harmony, this, this fellowship uh, with Jesus, which is pretty awesome. He says... Uh, in this passage that we that we just looked at, that um, that we if we are with him, uh, he says, "For you are with me. I will fear no evil, for you are with me." 
Oh, to be with Jesus. I mean, when you're with him, you know, when you're with somebody who can protect you, you have nothing to fear. Somebody who's bigger than you, stronger than you, looking out for you. He mentions two things in there that comfort him, and it's kind of almost ironic unless, again, you, you think about the fact that uh, depending on whether or not you, are, you belong to Jesus determines how you will feel about his power. It makes more sense. And he says, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. <laughs> We've heard that verse so many times, I think it just kind of goes over. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, a rod's a weapon. <laughs> your rod, it comforts me. Your staff, it comforts me. What was a staff? Well, the staff is that, that long thing with that hook on the end. And the whole idea was the shepherd would reach out and would goad the, the sheep and keep the sheep from going off the side of a cliff and poke them in the rib. Can you imagine? Your rod and that thing you poked me with inside of my rib comforts me. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense unless you realize that the shepherd has your best interest at heart. I thought about this this morning as I was looking over my notes. It'd be kind of like a, a rancher. You know, if you were if, if you were saying I'm the cattle and you are the rancher, can you imagine it saying your shotgun and your pro, uh, you know, cattle prod, they comfort me? <laughs> We'd be like, well, those don't sound very comforting. Well, they do if your rancher is watching out for you and has your best interest at heart. And that rod that the shepherd had would be able to beat off any wolf or any kind of threat to those sheep. And there is nothing Nothing that we have to fear when God is on our side. Romans 8.31 says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? David begins describing what it will look like when he is a guest in a shepherd's home. The table was covered with a banquet-style kind of feast. It was the type that followed victorious battles. Um, I read in one of my commentaries this week, it kind of described that in the ancient world sometimes, if you were part of the victorious uh, uh, army in a battle, after the battle you would have a big banquet, a big feast, a big celebration. And so often the losers, the enemies, would see the victors having this feast. And while they were starving, it would only bring agony to them because they were seeing the feast and not being able to eat themselves. And David says in this battle, he's going to be one sitting at the table enjoying the feast in the presence of his enemies. And he talks about the anointment, that you anoint my head with oil. The anointment of a guest in ancient times was typically olive oil with a perfume in it. Can you can imagine that, right? You have a guest in your home. They've been out traveling. They're on dry, dusty pathways. They've been uh, perhaps taking care of sheep. They come into your home. They're going to have a meal. How, how much freshening up can you do? Maybe wash some feet, perhaps. Take off an outer garment. Hang it up. But you would anoint their head with this oil where the sun's been beating down on their head. And it would have perfumes in it, and they would, they would feel more confident about themselves because, just like deodorant uh, on them, that they would feel more comfortable at the banquet and at the table. And the cup would overflow, he says. The cup would overflow. Even in today's culture, right here in America, when we have a guest in our home, one of the first things we do, we offer them a drink, right? Can I get you a glass of water, a glass of tea? We've got some soft drinks over here. And it's hard, it's hard to really talk a host out of giving you a drink, right? Can I get you something to drink? You sure? And if you're about half finished with it, let me, let me freshen that drink up. You need more ice? 
And even more so there. And David says, when I am at his table, I will be eating that feast, that victory dinner. I'm going to be on the side of this battle where I get to enjoy the feast, not looking uh, as, a, as a loser and wishing I was part of it. I'm going to be at the table. And my head's going to be anointed with that perfumey oil. And I'm going to have a cup that overflows. When you are in the heat of the battle and you are exhausted and you don't think you can go another mile, it sure helps to think about the banquet, doesn't it? It helps you press on a little more when you know that that you can just picture yourself having come through it on the other side and being a part of the feast. Well, real quickly, like, it wraps up with one verse, verse 6. You can trust him with your salvation. David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, whether David was thinking of the temple and perhaps building this temple and him being in this temple and being able to rest there, or he was thinking of more of an eternal perspective, he would be in God's house for all of eternity, which I like that perspective because I resonate with that better. I'm not planning to build a temple that I'm going to dwell in for the rest of my life. I'm looking forward to eternity in which I am in God's presence in heaven for all of eternity with him. I will dwell in the, in the house of the Lord forever. Well, you, you partner that with uh, John chapter 7, where Jesus talks about, in my Father's house are many places. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I'll come back and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm looking forward to being with God for all of eternity in his Father's house, and nothing, nothing beats that. I have, like you probably have, a a mental list of questions about heaven. Will we know each other? Will we look the same? Will we be the same age? You know, how all that works, you know, the whole study of eschatology and so forth. But the bottom line I'm pretty secure on, if I'm on God's side, Jesus is going to win in the end, and I get to spend eternity in his presence. And all of my other earthly concerns and wants and desires pale in comparison to that promise. Revelation 17, 14 says, They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. The, the, the passage, uh, uh, 1 John chapter 4, says that fear has to do with punishment. And perfect love casts out all fear. Fear is not a good motivator. If I'm afraid of failure, I'm likely to fail. (laughs) I am motivated better by aiming at the goal than I am fearing the obstacle. It's true. If you were on a ledge and you were walking and it was four feet wide and you were walking down this ledge, you could do just fine. But if all of a sudden the scenario involved a ledge and on the other side of your four-foot path was a thousand-foot drop-off, I mean, I'd be wobbling all over the place out of fear of failure. I'll never forget one time uh, I had a professor call me up to his desk and and pointed to a blank I'd left on my test and said, you don't know the answer to that? Oh, no. You know, I have test uh, anxieties, you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he goes, well, your essay question here, read what you wrote. And I reread what I wrote in my essay, and then all of a sudden I could feel the involuntary smile rising up on my cheek. The answer was in what I had written. (laughs) I didn't think I knew the fill in the blank because it was a test. I was so afraid I was going to get it wrong, so afraid I was going to fail that I couldn't even put the answer down. But when you ask me to explain something, I just, well, and I, right there is the answer. I knew it all along. 
we need to motivate like God motivates. And he says in Psalm 23, 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's what we need to fix our eyes on. Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. Um, and today, the most important question is, what side are you on? Because if you are on the Lord's side, if you belong to Jesus, then you're going to feel great about his power. His rod and his staff, that's good stuff. His wrath, hey, his wrath, that's good stuff. Because if your sins are forgiven and you're on his side and he's going to win, then all of his power, all of his might only means good stuff for you. And that's why every Sunday here at Dover Christian Church, we, we end with a time of singing and we give you the opportunity if you want to publicly respond or get, a, get in touch with us afterwards to have that important conversation about how you can become a follower of Jesus and know him as your shepherd. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for Jesus, the, the shepherd that God allows us that wonderful relationship and that hope that we have in you. And God, I thank you that you are mighty and powerful and strong and that, God, your perfect love casts out all fear. I thank you for that. I thank you, God, that um, we're not focused on punishment today, but that we're focused on your love and your acceptance, and that we have that through Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd have your way in this time together, Lord, as we sing this song, that it won't simply just be a way to close out the service, but, God, it'd be a way each of us can look deep within our hearts and to make sure that we have the blessed assurance of knowing that we belong to you and that you call us yours. And God, uh, be honored and glorified in this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.